You're listening to the Be Well Cartel podcast. We are three badass female coaches from around the globe who are here to debunk the typical go harder fitness and diet advice and guide you to make your own definition of health and wellness. Join us each week for conversation, information, interviews, dry humor, dad jokes, and more. All right, we're back. I missed you guys. Hi. I miss you guys every second of the day that we're not recording a podcast. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of time to miss us. It's a lot of seconds. It is a lot of seconds. And I know that you could calculate it very quickly because you are very organized with things like that. Organized um, on numbers, not, not the same, Jillian. <laughs> yeah. Kevin, Kevin will gladly tell you that my math skills are slightly lacking. Oh, well, <laughs> at least we have calculators then. And Unless it's working on? out the plates that go on a bar and the percentage of less. Yes. That is, I would have to say that that is a true skill that one can only cultivate after many years in the gym. And I love that when, like on Instagram, sometimes I'll see someone lifting and I'll like count, I'll be like, okay, so that's a yellow and then that's a green yeah. and that's a blue. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, why do you know these things? But I think also having the skill to quickly go from uh, kilograms to pounds is also- Oh my God, that, I, that's no, different. it's impossible. That is absolutely oh, impossible. I'm, I, I'm a pro at that. When we moved to Taiwan- um, it was all in pounds and a lot of people at the gym were American. And so going from kilograms and having never experienced pounds, I had to got, had to get used to it really quickly. And now I'm a pro. See, my gym in Beijing was in kilos because Tim is British and he was like kilos. Like that's the, that's the measurement that they use for <laughs> Olympic weightlifting, you know? Um, and then I went to Shanghai where they were more like that we were associated with one nation in the U S so we had pounds. And I was like, this is a brain disaster for me. And I always just used to do times two and a little bit, but I never yeah. really, I never really knew the exact. I was like, eh, just see how it goes. But good for like the auto-regulation side of things. Cause then I was like, well, I literally don't know what I'm lifting. So I'll just lift what feels good. So in that sense, it was helpful. Isn't it interesting how in different gyms as well, things can feel different. Like even though you're using the same weight, like the same weight can feel heavier or lighter. And you're like, man, these bars must be different. But it's like, no, it's all the same. But things can feel so different in different gyms. Yeah, I completely agree. I remember like going to San Francisco once and working out and doing some workout that had like squat cleans in it and it was pounds. And so I was like, I don't have any idea what I'm lifting, which is ridiculous because I'm from the States. Like I should know these things. But I like, I, my brain has like become so switched over to kilos that I like did, you know, I, I remember doing the squat clean and I was like, that seemed pretty heavy. And then later I calculated, I was like, oh, that was a PR. That was amazing. <laughs> that always used to happen to people going either way because yeah. it's like so much, so much of like how much we can lift is just like a mental uh, limit that we've placed on ourselves. And so when you no longer like have the numbers to dictate to you how you like quote unquote should feel when yeah. you're doing this lift now it's like oh like I can actually sometimes check in more with my body and like often that can result in in like a, a heavier lift because you don't have that barrier in place anymore yeah and on, honestly I found this all the time like when I was working with people in person doing you know personal training or even like coaching CrossFit as well if you were more so personal training because often I would be the one like changing the weights for my clients. And I just wouldn't tell them what was on the bar. 
because they would get in their head, oh, okay, like 40 kg, that is just this number for me that I just cannot get past, you know? Um, And then if I just change the weights for them without actually telling them, and then they maybe back squat like 50 kg and it's like, hey, you just like did more than you thought you could. It's like, oh, wow, okay. And it's just a trick that I used to use all the time. I think it's quite helpful because as um, I think a lot of women sort of, and men like get stuck in their head about numbers and, you know, things being too heavy. I think that it has, and and honestly, I think this is any gender, like no matter who it is, because if you think about it, and this is something I'm actually working with my group program on right now is like, you know, feeling with your body and not thinking so much with your brain, because we do this with food. Think about how often you look at a plate of food and you're like, this is too much food, or this is not enough food, but you, you, and so like, you're deciding what your body actually needs without even feeling what it is. And so that takes away this like intrinsic, you know, mindful connection that is like your body may need more food one day and less food another day. But when you're already deciding it, it's like, you know, it's the exact same thing. But like we go through our lives doing this. It's like, how often do you see someone and you're like, they're in a bad mood today? And it's like the only indication they've given you that's in a bad mood is like, they maybe, you know, looked angry. And it's like, maybe they looked angry because a bug just bit them on the butt. You know, you like, you don't know, but it's these things where like our brains like mess with us so badly and we don't have time to like actually feel things anymore because we're so busy deciding. Yeah. And that's something that I, so I did this really awesome. I, I, I thought it was pretty cool anyway. I hope it was probably also really thought cool. it was it cool. Was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a presentation. Cool. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go with it. We're going with it. A presentation I did this week for, for an expat group in China on, body image and and eating disorders and disordered eating and on the body image side of it a lot of what we talked about was how your perception of yourself will then change also how you're looking at other people and how other you'll judge other people's interactions with you based on like what you have decided other people must think about you and that that fits all together with that same food thing that you were mentioning Jillian and the same thing with the like weights in the gym, it it all goes together. And it's like, so I was actually just typing in right now, you know, Brene Brown's definition of trust, how she has that definition of, you know, the, you know, these are the things that define trust. And one of the things is that really stuck out to stuck out to me the first time I ever heard that definition is that you struggle to trust other people when you struggle to trust yourself, because you reflect like everything that you feel about the world is like reflected with how you feel inside. And like, I just remember that sticking with me and hitting me. And, and it's so true because the way that we view the world is so conditioned on how we view ourselves. And so like when we start cultivating this self-trust, which I think actually ties in really well with the topic for today, like without even planning it, um, like this topic of self-trust, it's like, that means that you need to kind of create boundaries and define your identity within yourself. That I think that something that we, that we honestly forget to do because we're so concerned about what other people are thinking about us, what other people, you know, what other people want from us, what our outside responsibility responsibilities are that it's like, we're so dependent on the extrinsic, like the what's outside of us that we forget that what is truly important is the intrinsic, but first we have to connect with that in order to like change all the other stuff. Right. Yeah. And that, um, that idea of self-trust, I mean, when we're thinking about intuitive movement, intuitive eating, um, or 
I mean, I say intuitive, but that's become such a kind of buzzword now, right? I mean, especially with Gwyneth Paltrow and her <laughs> hobgobbling. We just forget that even existed. We just need to forget that even existed. I've had so many people ask me about this Gwyneth Paltrow intuitive fasting, and I'm like, yeah. no, just forget that it exists. Yeah, it's it just, really, like it's, I. It's madness, she but... needs to get sued at some point for that. Is that she's like, had? So she's like, had a few people. Well, there's she's had a few people that worked with her that are now like I refuse to be associated with her whatsoever. Yeah, like completely. Yeah, good. <laughs> you know th- this idea of like understanding our intuition, like exactly what you said, Jillian, that we're so conditioned that we don't actually know what we feel, um, and so we can't actually trust ourselves, and so the opposite of trust is, and this is something that I talk about all the time, is control, right? And so that's where we, you know, think about portion size and stuff like that. It's like trying to control everything, trying to control our food, trying to control our bodies. And when we are controlling everything, there is no room for trust. And so when people talk about like understanding your body and like listening to your body and stuff like that, it's so difficult for people because we're so we're taught and we're so conditioned to to control everything that we're not actually allowing room for trust like the two cannot be working at the same time and yet i think that there is this interim between like i I, you know you could also see the opposite of trust as as fear and so i think that sometimes like the control can be like an interim where you're going from like extreme fear and you're working towards trust but in the middle you might need some control to work you towards it. I think a lot of it's about the intention with which you go into that control and and going into it being like, okay, I'm going to bring in more control so that I can release some of the fear, but knowing that I'm I'm controlling temporarily with a goal of working towards self-trust. Whereas if you go into it being like, control is my only option, if I don't control everything will be terrible that's the that's the fear still being the main influencer of the control whereas if trust is the main influencer of the control and you're like I want to work towards trust I'm using it for this it could be completely different and, and that's this just so the difference between motivation right it's like you know just just sort of going circling back to what I said with that same thing it's like it's just that difference of motivation like you said Holly the intention it's like is this coming from a place of fear or a place of love and I think that's like if you think about for example when you're driving a car and when you're when you're controlling the car, you're white knuckling it. You're holding the the drive the the steering wheel super tensely, and you're controlling the car with all of your might. Or when you're simply controlling the car, you have your hand on the steering wheel. You know where the car is going, and you're in control of the car. I think it's like though that is a really simple way to sort of understand the two differences between what you guys are talking about. And I think that kind of brings us to what we want to talk about today, because boundaries are a really interesting sort of interplay between trust and control and, and creating a healthy relationship, I think, with that, with that control. Because I see boundaries as a way of, you know, you are, are not necessarily controlling, but influencing uh, the way in which you interact with the world and how are you doing that? And I want to read, um, I want to read a, a quote from a psychologist that I found to be really, really helpful in understanding what boundaries are. And so a boundary is a limit or a space between you and another person. It's a clear place where you begin and another person ends. And the purpose of setting a healthy boundary is to protect and get, take good care of yourself. And this is where I think that also we can include when we talk about, you know, when we talk about boundaries, it's not just you and another person, often it's you and yourself. 
And that is, and so, so I think we can change that a little bit and have it be, you know, boundary is a limit or a space between you and, and anything else that is aside from that true inner you. And so first we need to, like we said, create that trust in which we are connected to what do I actually need? What is necessary for me to kind of live in a way that is healthy? And then how do I define that with my outside world? Yes. And I think it's important that we know that boundaries are uh, guidelines and not rules. So a boundary shouldn't be a, a hard and fast rule that you can never change because otherwise we're getting into that control fear side of the spectrum. Whereas if it's a guideline, it's more like a control trust side of the spectrum and, and your boundaries you're creating should be payments into your self-trust bank account. It shouldn't be withdrawals from your self-trust bank account. Um, that is so well said. And I love that you said that. And I think that it's interesting to think about we have, so you can't have more rigid boundaries. So boundaries that are, you know, I'm willing to, to compromise this amount. And then there's some boundaries that are a lot looser, but I think that that's something that a lot of the time we feel like there is only one type of boundary. It's either a yes or a no. And this is where like everything that all of us talk about is there's so much gray area. Like there are, for example, some weeks in which your boundaries may be pretty rigid and maybe a week in which you need to really, you know, save your energy or, or protect your energy for a certain reason. And you may need to be more rigid with your boundaries. And there may be times for boundaries to be looser. But I think that when we are talking about, you know, what is a boundary, it is being able to say no. It is knowing when to say yes. And it is living in accordance with, you know, we're going to go into our boundary framework a little bit later in this episode, but it's in living, living in accordance to your values. And that is something that I think that when we start to define boundaries, we have to be very clear on what those values are before we can actually start going into like what boundaries we want to create. Yeah. And I think that just something that you said there, Jillian, this is something that I say as a way to explain this in a really simple way to my clients is that a boundary is you saying yes to yourself and sometimes that means that you say no to other people but whenever you adhere to the boundaries that you've set you're saying yes to yourself and so I think with that should we go into some examples of what boundaries can be so if we're thinking about like our health you know, a lot of what we talk about on here is uh, to do with nutrition and fitness and um, like lifestyle and stuff. So let's give some examples of what boundaries could look like for for health. Unsurprisingly, I'm going to start off with sleep as a as a topic here as an as an, as an example. We expect nothing less from you. Yeah. I, yeah. If I said anything else, I think you guys would be like, are you okay? Is something broken? I think sleep is something that a lot of people struggle to set boundaries around as well, because there's a lot of pressure on people to be, again, quote unquote, productive and feel like they need to be doing productive things with their time and that sleep somehow isn't productive. But that's a whole topic for another time. But just as an example, like the way that I set boundaries around sleep is people know that I'm never going to be on my phone and never reply to anything after a certain time. And I'm I'm an upholder. We can talk about tendencies later, but I'm very good at setting a boundary for myself and then just like, too, I'm like this is the I'm thing. It's it. <laughs> So we can talk later on in our boundary framework about how your tendencies might affect the kind of boundaries you set and like what check-ins you need to have for yourself. But people know like Holly's not going to be on her phone after a certain time. She's not going to reply to stuff after a certain time. My whole family is aware that like at X time, 
I'm probably going to go to sleep like between this time and this time. I put on my blue light blocking glasses at a certain time and I'm very good at upholding that and also not looking at my phone for a certain amount of time in the morning. And I put all these boundaries in place because I know that if I don't have those boundaries, like if I didn't have like a set time where I stopped being on my phone, for example, then it, it could it could like inter, intersect with some of my other values of like connection and like port and this kind of thing. And I would get caught up in like trying to help keep helping people for, you know, another three hours because like I could be doing more good in that time. But it's taking away from my own personal energies if I don't set those boundaries up around sleep. And I think that, that you bring up a really good point because I think a lot of people have this and I actually have a you know have a client that's in Hong Kong and her family is located across the world. And you know one of the things that she that she mentioned is she's like you know it's really hard for me to shut off at night because I, my family is across the world and that's the only time that I can talk to them. And so I think that that com- you know comes back to that fear of like if I set this boundary what is going to happen to other parts of my life. And and that's where we have to look at what you know what's rational and what's emotional because I think a lot of the time we don't set boundaries because of these sort of emotional fears and that comes into you know what is it what is another health related boundary well that may be also protecting certain emotions and so that may be you know not letting someone speak to you in a certain way like that may be protecting your health and so for example for me a mental health one that I had to do is when I visited the the states my dad likes to comment on how much I eat he likes to comment on, you know, you know, what I'm eating, how much I'm eating. He likes to comment on my body. And, and for me, for my emotional health, I have to set a boundary with him because it makes me very anxious about eating around him when he comments on these things. And so I had to tell him, I was like, look, I know that you're not doing this on purpose. And we can talk a little bit better, or a little bit more later about how to sort of word these things to make it easier for other people to understand. So I like, know you're not doing this on purpose, but when, you know, when you say this, this, and this, this is how it makes me feel. I need to ask you to not comment on how I eat or what I eat. And for me, that was a huge, you know, a huge emotional health boundary because then I felt more at ease eating in a setting in which my dad was, was going to be there. And so I think that that's where, you know, we think about, we think about kind of physical health and mental health, and they're actually one and the same, because if I wasn't able to set that boundary, then I would maybe start a more disordered eating pattern around my dad, because I would be, you know, maybe not eating as much or not eating enough or only eating certain things. And that's something I think that comes up quite a lot, you know, not just with ourselves, but also with our clients. I, and I think, you know, I was actually having a conversation with one of my clients about this, this week where she was in the gym and her workout was cut short because everybody else around her was like wanting to talk to her. She's a personal trainer as well, wanting to talk to her. You know, she, so she didn't get all of her workout done. And then she felt like she had to make that up later in the day when she was at home, when her plate is already full. And so now she's adding more onto her plate all because she was pleasing the people around her and she didn't want to feel bad to say, Hey, can you just, I'm, busy or I'm just going to keep doing my workout or I am really happy to see you but right now I just need to get my workout done and it is just so important that we ah that we allow ourselves to to say no when we need to and we allow ourselves to express the things that we need and not feel fear about about asking for what we need so that our energy isn't taxed at the expense of making other people happy. I want to go, I kind of want to circle back because I started talking about like mental and emotional health. And, and I know we wanted to give a, a few more kind of like physical health boundaries. And I think that this one is, is one that can 
can kind of get a little bit confused because for example, it people, let's talk about cheat meals. For example, I think cheat meals might see that as setting a boundary with themselves. And, and I think it's important to recognize that like something like a cheat meal is, and I think you guys would be in agreement with that that's not a boundary that's control. And that's control out of fear because you're worried that if you allow yourself to have certain foods during, you know, other parts of the week that you won't be able to control yourself. A boundary Maybe saying something like, hey, you know, I'm going to try to limit my cookie intake to X amount a week. And that could be just a boundary with yourself where you take a check in and you say, hey, like, do I really want a cookie today? Mm, nah, I think I'm okay. I'll wait. So till later on in the week, and that may be a boundary with yourself that is in accordance with a, you know, with a physical health goal. Say you're trying to lose weight and you want to focus on eating a little bit healthier, but instead of saying like, I'm going to create this control-based rule around, I can only eat pizza on Saturdays. Let's be a little bit more flexible about it and be like, Hey, you know, this is the amount of flexibility I'd like to have within my nutrition. These are the boundaries I'd like to set with that. And how do I also kind of pay attention to my body and understand that like, sometimes I'm going to want pizza on a Tuesday and like, that's okay. Right. And, and some of that might be, again, it's the intention with which you go into it. Right. So it might be that you start off with, if, if you start feeling very out of control and very full of fear, you might start off with saying like, Hey, every Saturday, I'm going to have uh, like my pizza on Saturday. And you might start there, but not as a hard and fast rule, but as like, as we said, as a guideline. And then you might start finding out that like, oh, it actually isn't every Saturday that I want pizza. Sometimes it is a Tuesday or sometimes it is a Friday. And then you might feel comfortable enough to be like, okay, let me release control a little bit further and start working more towards that trust. And now I'm going to go from having every Saturday to having every Tuesday or Saturday. And then I'm going to go to having it once a week any time that I want, because now I'm starting to learn what what the medium in between is for me between that control and trust. And I think that's where the boundaries lie. And this is so brilliant because this is really what happens when you give yourself permission to make your own decisions, because permission goes both ways, right? When you have this un, you know, this undeniable permission to say yes or no, that gives you the, the power of choice. And with that power of choice gives you really the opportunity to make any decision you want because you are trusting yourself. But until you get to that point where you give yourself permission, as you said, Holly, it can be really, really scary. And so that's where I think when we're looking at, you know, at creating boundaries, it's so important to start with yourself and what your needs are rather than looking outside and being like, what do I need other people to do? You need to focus on what do I need from myself in order to set up that sort of that, that guideline for everyone else around me. Yeah. And I think that something that's important to go along with this is that we don't always get it right. Like we will, we can set a boundary for ourselves and then we could mess it up. You know, like Holly was talking about like her sleep. If she has a night where, I mean, Holly wouldn't actually, but say if someone's like, okay, I'm not going to have pizza <laughs> on, I'm only having pizza on a Saturday and they have pizza on a Tuesday. Such an important piece of this is to not judge yourself if you mess up these boundaries that you have set for yourself, but use that as an opportunity to learn and be like, okay, cool. What is coming from this? Like what happened? And as a way to learn more about yourself and have this like self reflection for what is actually going on and what were, what were triggers and what was happening that made you loosen 
the boundaries that, you know, that cause you to actually take that action. So I think that that's a really important piece as well is just truly having compassion for yourself when maybe things go, don't, don't go as you'd planned for them to go. And I think this, this ties in perfectly with this idea of curiosity over judgment. When we continuously are curious about our thoughts and our actions and the way that things play out, we, we open up the opportunity to reassess and pivot for the future. Whereas when we judge, so when we look at judging as like, you know, very binary, very good or bad, it completely changes our experience in the world because nothing And this is in, you know, in my opinion, I'm not going to say nothing because I don't like to be an, an all or nothing type person. So most things we can't define as binary. Most things are not either or most things are somewhere along the sliding scale. And so this is where, when we start to look on our experiences, you know, uh, the, the typical example, I overate, you know, I ate way more, way more than I wanted to. Cool. Let's look at, you know, what was that experience like for you? What was there a boundary that you maybe needed to have set that you didn't? Maybe that was a a boundary with yourself of like, Hey, I know that if it gets to 4 PM and I haven't eaten a snack, I know I need to eat something because I get super hungry afterwards. And then I overeat. And that's something where you may not know that now, but if you take the, take a moment to reflect instead of judge, you will be able to find that out about yourself. And this is where this continual path of self-growth that I think the three of us are, that, that's like what we thrive off of is this like continual path of learning and growing and, and changing and pivoting. That is where we can really start from. I think, Jillian, that feeds really well into the next point we wanted to talk about, which was how to tell if you have a lack of boundaries in your life. And the reason I think what you just said feeds in really well is that I feel like there's two ways this shows up. And one way is that that feeling where you're feeling very overwhelmed and you have this lack of energy and you feel like you don't have enough time and you feel very busy. But the other way it shows up is is in that kind of scenario you just said where, um, you know, let's say you feel you feel like you overate, like it's a perception thing, right? A lot of the time. Was it because you didn't have any boundaries in place or was it because you thought you had boundaries in place, but they were actually rules? And you'd set hard and fast rules for yourself, which you then is is very normal if you set hard and fast rules for yourself rather than boundaries, which which are flexible. If it's hard and fast rules, we're very likely to end up rebelling against those rules or having our quality of life affected because we're so inflexible with them. And I can go back to using my my sleep boundaries as an example of this, which is that previously, especially when I was still living in Beijing with Kevin, I had quote unquote boundaries about when I went to sleep because I had to wake up at a certain time to go and coach in the morning. But for me, they at that point, what I thought I'd set for myself as boundaries wasn't a boundary. It was a, an absolute rule. It was a rule to the point that I would cut short things that I was doing, like going out for dinner with Kevin or watching a movie where I probably could have like one night of the week gone to bed a little bit later, but I, I made that rule so rigid for myself that it became like a source of anxiety. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a boundary that I was like, most of the time I'm going to try and do this because I know it, like, I feel better when I do this. It was a, if I don't do this, life is going to fall apart and everything is going to be terrible. And I think people can do that for themselves with health related things that they think is being helpful. And they think like, oh, I've set some boundaries when what you've actually done is set rules and not boundaries. So I think that's one way it can show up. If we want to create like an analogy of this, like boundaries might be something that's like a sieve, you know, some things might go through, some things don't, but a, but a rule is like, is a wall. Nothing goes through that. And what happens is that 
a walls can break. And when they break, they feel, it feels really disastrous. And so when you have a rule set for yourself, and this is maybe how you can gauge it is like, if something happens that kind of goes against what that rule is you have set for yourself, whether it's bedtime, how many days a week you're training, what you're eating. If, if it feels like the world is crumbling or like you, you've, you're a disaster because of it, then that is going to be a rule. A boundary is something where you can recognize that perhaps it didn't go how you had planned or, you know, something may need to be changed for next time, but it's not the end of the world if it doesn't get, if, if that boundary is not fulfilled. And that's, I think, something that when you think about, okay, for example, you have kids and you know that you want to go work out a certain, at a certain time of day, but something might happen with your kids. And so if you have a rule that you have to work out X amount of days a week and something happens with your kids, you may feel like a total disaster in your training or like a failure because that rule was broken with yourself. But if it's more of a general like guideline, a boundary of like, you know, this from this time to this time every day, my intention is to get a workout in. And some days you may not be able to do that because of your children. And that doesn't have the same effect on you emotionally as a rule does. Yeah. And I think that the ability to actually, like I said before, that self-reflection process so that we're constantly checking in with ourselves because boundaries are going to change our, as our priorities change and as our you know values change as well, then we have to have the ability and have the awareness to actually develop this process of checking in with ourselves and being like, does this actually still work for me? And is this still aligned with what my values are, which is why I have these boundaries. And I think that that kind of leads into the next thing that we wanted to talk about is that our boundaries are created not by actions, but by what we value in our life and how those boundaries actually create the ability for us to live out our values and, and what is really important to us. Yeah, the the value-driven part of this is so important. And before we dive into that and like our framework for setting up boundaries for yourself that actually work, I just also wanted to touch on the other way we mentioned that a lack of boundaries can show up because I know that we're quite rule-based people. Olivia, both you and I are like upholders, which we'll talk about again in a moment, the four tendencies, but that can make us very rigid. Whereas for some people, the, the lack of boundaries can show up as and this happens a lot with people I find who are like, oh, I just don't have time to do that. When you're, when like a client where you're suggesting like, hey, what if we tried making food at home one time a week? And like, oh, I just don't have time for that. Or it's like, oh, I just don't have the energy to do that. And that can be an indicator, you know, if, if you're wanting to make change, but when someone suggests a change to you, no matter how small, you feel like you don't have time or you feel like you don't have the energy to make that happen. That can also be a sign that you're missing some boundaries in your life because now you don't have any time left for stuff for yourself that you've set as a priority and that can be when we see this clash between your values and your priorities and then how you're actually sp spending and assigning your time and your energy the, when you know when we're looking at how we are spending our time and our energy it's because i hear this all the time where people are like you know you have the same 24 hours in the day as beyonce it's like no we actually do not 
have the same 24 hours in a day as Beyonce. And let's be clear. And that is because Beyonce has a team of people that take care of her children, that make her food, that, you know, all she has to do is sort of show up and do things. And that's where I think that, especially for, for people that are, for example, running a business, they have children, they have a partner, they have, you know, a high stress job. I think that that is where a lot of the time it's this thought of like, well, I only have a certain amount of time in the day and I don't know how much time I feel comfortable dedicating to myself. And so this is someone where we see these people that are, and and I have clients like this. I know you guys have clients like this where you, you know, where they're like, well, I just can't do this thing because, and they, they quote like some sort of external, external barrier, you know, for example, like, oh, well, I can't stop working at this time because I have this much amount of work. Or I can't, you know, take this day off because my boss is demanding this, or I can't go to sleep because of, you know, all these other reasons. And this is where I think that it can feel really overwhelming because you're aware that you don't have boundaries, but you, you feel this like anxiety around setting them because you feel like when you set boundaries, you're letting someone else or something else or everything else in your life down. And that can feel really, really terrifying because you think I want to have these boundaries. I know that I need to have them, but I don't feel comfortable or available to actually create them. And that I think is, is a large, a, a large quantity of people that maybe are listening to this podcast that are driven, that have a lot of things on their plate. And they're like, yeah, I know I need to create boundaries, but like, I can't right now. Yeah. I really do think that one of the most important things is to be so clear on what your values are. And this is something that I talk a lot about as, and you guys have heard me say this before, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, is this idea of like truly what you desire. You know, it's like, it's it's what you desire to feel each day. And then when you understand that, then you can make all these decisions for where everything else comes from. Because unless we're, we're clear on what our values are and how we're being led by those you know, key things, which is our North Star and what we truly desire to feel in our life, then we're constantly going to feel like we are, we're on the back burner or we're trying to please other people or we're taking actions or setting goals that may not actually be completely aligned with us. And so going through a process and actually sitting down, and this is something I do with all of my clients is really encouraging them to go through this process of getting very, very clear of what they desire in their life and what they want to feel every day. And that just means that this this ability to actually set boundaries and take action and set goals that are aligned with those desires is just so much more easier. It's so when you have that North Star, you've got some, you've got a a uh, a road. Yes. <laughs> and this leads us perfectly into talking about the the be well boundary framework and that the first step of that is knowing your values so that you can frame everything from there and so I love what you talked about uh Olivia with like defining what values are and then being that north star if someone listening is like hey I want to set my values I want to find out what they are like how the hell do I do that is there a, a resource or something that you would recommend they go to to help them set those values? I mean, something really simple that you can do is actually just Google like values and there should be a whole lot of lists that actually come up. And so just choosing a list of like words and going through those lists of words and they might not be words on there that kind of resonate with you. They might be choosing all the ones that kind of stick out to you 
and then starting to whittle them down and down and down till, till you've got like three. I reckon no more than three. And so often if you have like 10 words that um, come out to you, so they could be like knowledge, health, gratitude, communication, um, honesty, integrity, trust. Exactly. Yeah. And so a lot of these things can actually come under the framework of many others. And so you really can boil that down to like three key things and just going through that process. So within my coaching, I have a, you know, a, a whole thing that we do, but if you're on your own, that is something that you can do. And it's actually a really beautiful thing because you're pretty much setting up guidelines for yourself for how you want to live your life, how you want to show up each day and the person that you want to be. And I think a good point to make too, is that these values can shift. Like these, these values are, you know, I think that when we sort of set out on, on things and set goals and we're very focused, we're very like goal focused society. And we see goals as somewhat rigid. It's like, well, I want to get here. And if I don't get here, then I failed. And I think the cool thing with all of what we're talking about is that it can change over time and being okay with it changing over time is actually going to help you feel a lot safer because you're not tied to just one specific thing. You can always say like, hey, you know what? I thought this value was really important to me and I've realized over time it's not that important. This other thing is really important. And that's that self-reflection piece that you were talking about, Olivia. And that's where there's, there's again, a lot of fear around it because that means like, do I really know who I am? And it's like, who you are is going to change all the time. It's so true. And I think also if you're someone who felt that you're pretty good at setting boundaries for yourself, but now you're feeling conflicted and like you're overriding some of those boundaries or they're feeling much more rigid, that's the kind of time that you'd want to sit down and reflect on those values again and just check that your values are still the same because it might not be that you're doing badly with your boundaries. It might just be that boundaries that once were aligned with your values no longer are and you might just need to change them around. And I think that that, is a good transition for us to then go into the next stage of the framework, which is once you've established your values, then working out from your values, what are your priorities? Ooh, this is a, this is a good one. And I love talking about this one because this, I think that a lot of the time we put, again, these priorities tend to be very external things. It's like, my priority is, uh, you know, my kids or my job or, you know, the dog or my partner. And it's like, cool yourself needs to be a priority. And this is my opinion. If you guys are not in alignment with not in agreement with this, I completely understand. But I think that in order for you to be able to then go through the rest of this framework is like one of your priorities needs to be yourself. Because if you are not one of your own priorities, then you are going to be consistently lacking in protecting that personal energy that you need to then continue along with the rest of the framework, which is being able to create uh, clear goals and being able to take action in a way that is aligned with your values. I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah. And I think that this is something that comes up with women a lot, especially is the idea. I mean, I hear this all the time and I'm sure that you guys do as well. I feel selfish. I feel selfish. If I take the time to do this for myself, if I feel selfish, if I say no, I feel selfish. If I don't join the PTA, I feel selfish. If I, um, ask someone to go and pick the kids up from school. Or I feel selfish if I say no. Yeah, I hear that a exa- lot. It's like if someone exactly. asks me to do something and I say no, then I feel selfish. But the, the, the beautiful thing about this is that when you start to understand that that is actually not a selfish thing, 
but that's actually you giving back to yourself and actually you giving back to other people. That's a really beautiful thing because when we, when we decide that we want to say yes to ourselves and that might mean saying no to other people, it means that we are teaching other people how to do that for themselves as well. And so we're actually creating a much better society. And this is, you know, this is something that I talk about all the time with my clients. It's like you are setting this beautiful, beautiful example for, for your children, for the people around you, for your family, that they can also protect their energy and they can also do these things. Well, I think that we need to normalize that being selfish is not a bad thing. Being like, I think we have this concept that like being selfish is this terrible thing, but it's like, and this is something that I say all the time is you are the only person that you have to live with for the rest of your life. Yeah. That negative connotation of, of selfish and of ego as well. I think are both things that kind of need to change, right? I feel like ego has that same negative connotation, whereas sometimes we actually need ego and to have that positive idea around what it positive could self-regard. be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I just wanted to, I just wanted to mention, cause I realized we didn't really define like how to tell what your priorities are because I do find that quite often people will say something is a priority to them but then if you if you like do an audit of your time and energy that those two things are not actually aligned so it's very easy well it's not very easy but once you set values and you're like cool here are my values according to my values here's what my priorities should be and they're like cool great I've got values written down I've got priorities written down I'm good to go but then it's about checking in with yourself and being like okay here's my ideal priorities what am I actually prioritizing in my life right now? And so something that I have my clients do when we go through our like vision and goal setting exercises that I have them do like a time and energy audit before we start. So they look at like, okay, where is most of my time being spent in a day right now? And where's most of my energy being spent in a day right now? Cause it's not, it's not always exactly aligned, but then looking at that and being like, okay, cool. You said that health is a priority to you, but like three hours of your day is spent watching Netflix in the evening. Is that contributing towards that health? Or is is there part of that time that we could, or energy that we could reassign to something else, like a workout or like a bubble bath or like, you know, whatever else needs to be fitted into your day according to your priorities and according to having self as one of those. And I think a lot of the time we get confused because we we create priorities that we think are expected of us. For example, like you may believe that my priority needs to be work. And I see that, you know, depending on the culture that, that I, that I've been in or that I've seen or the people that I've interacted with, I see that change. Um, and I think that priorities are also, you know, very much culturally defined. And I don't know, you know, Holly, after living in China for, for a long time, I don't know if you saw that being any different to what you see in the UK, but I think a lot of the time we have these ideas of like, this needs to be my priority but it's actually not what I want my priority to be. And that's then, then we get sort of that like tug of war and between, you know, what I feel like I should do and what I want to do, which I feel like that should and want are two things that, that come up so much when we're talking about health and fitness, because you hear like, how often do you hear like, oh, well, I really should go to the gym. And the question is like, well, do you want to go to the gym? Because it's in line with your values. Is the gym a priority for you? Or do you feel like you should go to the gym because you feel guilty that you weigh, you know, three kilos more than you did last year. And that is like weighing heavily on your mind, but really your priority is actually working on your creative writing skills for all I know. Yeah. And I think that that ties sort of nicely into talking about goals. And there's a very big difference between 
being you know goal driven or being like value led in in what you're doing and how goals kind of fit into that and if we're talking about like the health and fitness industry man I just feel like the health and fitness industry has like completely shot itself in the foot because it has only showed people that what their goals are getting stronger getting fitter losing weight looking better like these very very kind of vanilla goals that actually don't have a lot of meaning to people but that is what we've taught been taught you know and that is what we have taught people and so I think that us you know we have a really big job of actually helping people to see that there is so much more available to them in terms of goals and how that those goals and those actions can be led by what they truly truly desire and helping people to actually figure that out for themselves that that it's, it doesn't have to be, like you said, Gillian, just about losing weight. It doesn't have to be just about a bigger back squat. There is so much more available to people. Um, and when we understand like that deeper level of ourselves, then we've got a path to go down. Cool. So again, we've got this idea of like starting with the values, working out what your th- three main values are, then setting up some priorities and probably on priorities also having sort of three to five priorities and deciding like sort of what order those go in for yourself. And then moving forward onto setting goals based on those values. So we've got a really nice flow here of like knowing that we want, we want to do like value driven goal setting, but you know, if we're trying to back people away from going too much into goal driven What's a good process for people to set goals according to values? I think that this is where we can kind of talk about the difference between goals and intentions, because I think that a lot of the time, and it depends on the individual, because I know, for example, like people that are more structured, uh, they may work better with having a very specific set goal and and being very clear on like, okay, this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, then this is going to happen. And and other people that maybe aren't don't function in that sort of structured way may work better with something like intentions. It's a bit more flexible that gives you the you know that gives you the opportunity to say like, okay, well, you know, I'd like to go in this direction, but how I get there can change a little bit depending on the day, and that I think can work better for someone that maybe has like, that maybe has a schedule that changes a lot, or maybe has a lot of kind of moving parts in their lives, they can set, they can say, you know what, my, you know, my intention is to, for example, there's a big difference between saying, uh, you know, my intention is to move my body three to five times a week and saying, my goal is to go to the gym four times a week because that intention gives you a little bit of of wiggle room in there. And the goal is like, you either do it or you don't. And I know that the two of you are really amazing at at, at explaining, you know, explaining to your clients that even though you do, you may have a goal, like it may, it may have to change. And this is where, you know, I know something that I do with my clients is when we are working from a goal perspective is looking at what is something that you are 100% sure that you can complete right now. Cool. Then let's move the like chess piece a little bit farther. And that's where, in that goal setting, you can start being a lot more um, success driven rather than like having that feel of fear of failure with a goal. You know, we can still have those goals, right? Like what I said before, kind of like vanilla goals of weight loss or having a stronger back squat or whatever. We can still have those when we understand the intention behind those things. And then from there, I think that if we do still have those big goals, We still have to be setting intentions each day for how we approach those things. So 
So like if there is a goal of a hundred kg back squat, that every day is going to look different. And especially with women, when there are a million things going on, your cycle, you know, you're feeling different with each day with your cycle and stuff like that. Having that awareness to actually, you know, when you walk into the gym, it's like, okay, what is my intention? Like I do have this big goal, but how am I going to move within that? So even people that are goal driven, I think it is still really, really important that they understand the idea of setting intentions for you know each workout or each time they have a meal or whatever is going on for them. Now we've gone through that process of like establishing our values, establishing our priorities, establishing our goals and the intention behind those goals. So possibly having those two kind of fused together there. How does all of this relate to now helping us set boundaries. Yes. And this is where it gets really fun because now you know yourself well. Now you know what's important to you. You know where how you want to spend your time. You know where you want to be going. And so you can look at how that applies to your your life right now and how that needs to apply to your life in the future. And so that may may look like, okay, you know, I I have a goal of you know, improving my back squat. Cool. What are the things that I need that, that need to happen in order for me to do that? Well, I know I need to sleep well. I know I need to eat a certain amount. I know I need to take X amount of rest days a week. So maybe that boundary that I need to set is that person that keeps calling me at 1030 at night. I need to have a conversation with them and say, Hey, you know, I love our conversations. Is there any way that we can move them to another time? Or maybe, you know, your friend that every time you go out to eat, she's like, I want to go to you know, I want to go get donuts. Maybe you tell her like, Hey, I love spending time with you. And I would absolutely love to, you know, share a meal with you. Is there any way that we can, you know, go to X other place? And these are things that, you know, sound, they sound simple, but I think sometimes can be really hard to do. And then I'd love to go into, I want to kind of hear what you guys have to say. And then I'd love to go into then how to specifically start setting these boundaries language wise. I just wanted to touch on the fact, Jillian, that you when you were talking about those boundaries, something you did sort of intrinsically was also incorporate your your values into that, right? So you had your goal and you worked backwards from your goal and you set some boundaries, but it, it was very clear also that, you know, a, a central value that you were thinking about as you did that was like social connection, right? That's obviously like important to you. And as you were thinking about the boundaries you were setting in relation to your goal, you were taking into account this value of social connection. So making sure that when you, work backwards from goals towards boundaries that you're then also checking in with your values you wrote down and your priorities and being like okay cool like is this boundary I'm setting okay sure it's good for my goal is it also in line with my with my values and if it is then great and if it's not how do I need to adjust it yeah and that is such a good point and I think I did sort of intrinsically do that because this is something I personally feel very comfortable setting boundaries Um, And I feel part of the reason I feel very comfortable setting boundaries is because I've done work around the language in setting boundaries with other people. And so, for example, a book that I highly, highly, highly recommend is called Crucial Conversations. Um, And that is a book that, you know, Holly and Olivia are nodding right now. I read years and years and years ago, and it completely changed the way that I was able to have conversations to create boundaries or to have difficult conversations in my life. And, And another book that I have that I have on my list that I need to read is non violent communication. I know that one is supposed to be amazing. One of the things that we want to think about when we are creating boundaries is looking at this as this is something that's coming from you. And so we want to use a lot of like 
I language. Like this is something that's important to me. I would be very grateful if you could help me with it instead of saying like, you do this, this isn't working for me. Like we, this needs to change because one of them is creating this space in which you are, you're essentially asking someone that, that cares about you, or maybe they don't for, for a favor. Another one is accusatory. And I think that that's where sometimes we can get caught up in the scariness behind creating boundaries. For example, you know, saying no to a social engagement. There's a big difference between saying, you always ask me to go out on Fridays when you know I like to go to bed early on Fridays and saying, hey, you know, I'd love to hang out with you. Friday nights, I like to have an early night. Is there any way that we could meet up on Saturday? And there's a huge, it's the exact same outcome totally different language. And that is going to be that huge changing factor in your ability to set effective boundaries that also don't feel threatening for other people. Yeah. And that's a huge part of that nonviolent communication thing too, which you'll, you'll love it when you get to that book, but also making sure you say things like, I feel that and not you make me feel like, or you make me feel that. So taking responsibility for your own boundaries, because if you put your boundaries in the as the responsibility of someone else then you're also giving them control of the boundary right so it needs to be like I feel this way so I'm going to do this so that someone else then doesn't have the control to dismantle that boundary you're trying to put in place yeah we teach people how to treat us I think that that's a really important thing to keep in mind like with with everything that we're saying about language and when you feel like I think a telling sign for when maybe you haven't set, set a boundary or maybe there has been one that has been set or maybe you've broken it is you can actually feel that, you know, like physically you can usually feel that. Like it feels a bit yuck. Maybe you feel a little bit resentful towards people. And that is when you know that there is some kind of like miscommunication with yourself for what you need to do or maybe where you've um, let things go a little bit. I think you can also, you know, something you brought up there with the resentfulness, I think a lot of the time it can bring up shame for yourself because a lot of the time you have this, this feeling of shame is like, I know I should have done this thing. I know I should have upheld this boundary and I didn't do it. And this is where it's really important to be clear with yourself and know that just like you said, Olivia, that other people are not responsible for holding up your boundaries. Like for example, with uh, Holly's sleep schedule, people are still gonna text you at 11 o'clock at night. It's your responsibility to not look at your phone. And that's where I think that when we start to take that personal responsibility, it's empowering and it's all, it can be a little bit overwhelming because that means that no one else is then responsible for how you feel. That is 100% your responsibility, which is so absolutely incredible because it opens you up to so many possibilities, but it can be really scary when you when you haven't done it before. Yeah, just on that texting thing, like actually something that I do is like say to my clients, you can text me, you can email me, you can message me on TrueCoach 24-7, but I will get back to you between these times. And so it's it's kind of like, yeah, it's just so interesting how you can play on these words. And this conversation reminds me of, do you guys know who Byron Katie is? Yeah, she is. she's amazing. And she talks about that we have, we have, our stuff we've got like my business your business and god's business and when she says god's business she means like the universe right and so the universe is like things that we cannot control maybe like natural disasters and stuff like that but i think it's just such a great reminder how she talks about this because it's like when we are in other people's business which is so often this you know when we are not adhering to these boundaries that we have set for ourselves because we're trying to 
please other people or you know we do feel shame or guilt or whatever about that we're not we're no longer in our business and so it's so important for us to just continue to come back to ourselves and be in our own business instead of being in everybody else's. A really important thing to remember is you are not responsible for anyone else's feelings. That's something that I think is easy, easy to forget. And, and especially when you are an empathic person or an empathetic person or, or someone that, you know, is sensitive, you can feel responsible for other people's feelings. And you are truly only responsible for your own feelings. Uh, you can influence other people's feelings, but you are not in control of them. And so I think that we can kind of wrap this up today. I honestly can say I'm so blown away by us because this was like, I can't wait to, to go back. I mean, now obviously people so are going to be fine. listening to this editing, <laughs> it, it, but I, I'm excited to go and edit this now and just re-listen because I think there are so many gems here. And so do we want to kind of summarize, like I know we talked in the beginning about, you know, what are boundaries and kind of the difference between a boundary and a rule. So uh, Holly, do you want to summarize that really quickly? Yeah, sure. So basically what we said was the difference between a boundary and a rule is that a boundary is something that's coming from your values and is a guideline based on your values and your goals. Whereas a rule is something that you set for yourself that's very rigid and inflexible. A boundary will be able to flex according to what's in line with your with your values at that time. And yeah. then the next thing we touched on was how a lack of boundaries might show up in your life. And Olivia, did you want to take that? Okay. Question was, um, so we, we also talked about how a lack of boundaries might show up in your life. In many different ways. So you can start to, I think kind of like what I just mentioned before, you can actually start to physically feel that. I, I mean, I know that for me, that is true. Like I feel that kind of in my gut. If I feel like maybe I should have been doing something or um, something doesn't align with me, then I actually feel that physically. But it can show up in just saying yes to things that are sapping your energy. Like if you feel that there are people or circumstances or things that are actually draining you more than filling your cup, that can show up as somewhere where you need to uh, maybe bring in some boundaries or maybe you're not um, holding up the boundaries that you'd set for yourself. Um, it can look like maybe not making progress with things that you actually want to be making progress with. So then we'll go into the, the framework that we defined that I think this is, you know, the be well boundary framework soon to be trademarked. Pretty amazing. So we probably should trademark it. And that kind of starts out with, we've got four steps here. So we want to make sure that we're defining our values and we can do that really simply, even by just like go, going in Google, Googling, like values and you'll get lists and lists of words and just go through that. It seems kind of simple, but it's actually really powerful um, to look at those words, see which ones really resonate with you and then continue to refine it. So you get down to probably around three. From there, we can look at our priorities. And, and something that Holly mentioned that I think is really awesome is looking at where you are currently spending your energy and spending your time. Because I think there is a really telling, I you know, really telling process to to let you know of like hey this is how you're acting out your priorities right now even if the priorities that you've defined for yourself might be something else and so we want to figure out how we can bring those two together you know where you're actually spending your time and energy and then what those priorities are that you actually want in your life and then from there we can start going you know drilling that down to like goals and intentions you know how do we actually want to carry out these values and priorities in our daily life and then from there, we can get to the point where we're actually creating boundaries. And those boundaries are sort of contingent on what needs to happen in my life or what do I need to change in my life or what 
what guidelines do I need to uphold or, or relationships do I need to change in order to achieve these goals, live these intentions that are in line with the priorities that I've set out for myself that help me live out my values. And so I think that this kind of is a really simple kind of four-step way that you can sit down. It may take you 20 minutes. It may take you an hour. It may take you days to actually understand, you know, how do I want to live my life and what changes do I need to make in order to do that? You know, it's also important to know that when we're setting boundaries and when we're having conversations like this and thinking about things like this and thinking about taking action from this kind of place, it's not always nice. I think that when we're, you know, this kind of conversation that we've had, it's a lot about, you know, protecting our own energy and like really, you know, self-respecting stuff. But sometimes self-respecting stuff can be really uncomfortable and can look like things that we actually don't want to do. And so I think that that's really important to remember that, you know, often we have to pull our socks up and often we have to adult ourselves. And often if we want to live like an intentional, purposeful life, then we have to do things that we don't want to do. We can wrap up on this. And that is when you think about anything that you're good at now, there was a time at which you were not good at it. There was a time when you, you know, the first time you walked into the gym or, you know, maybe you're a mom, like the first time you picked up your baby, you're like, I don't know how to do this thing. And so everything that you're good at now, there was a time at which you were not good at it. And I think that setting boundaries is, is just like that. It's going to be a learning process and you're going to mess up and that's okay. And just remember, like, think back to anything that you feel comfortable doing now. And at some point there was a time in which you did not feel comfortable doing it and you had to continue to practice. And as you got better, it got more comfortable. And so I think that we can kind of wrap up on that guys. What do you think? Perfect wrap up point. And next week, we've got a great episode next week. We're going to be interviewing Steph Ung, who I'll let, I'll let Olivia introduce her really quickly because Olivia, you know her the best. Uh, but it's going to be awesome. So don't miss it. Yeah, Steph is an absolute weapon. She is such a powerhouse of knowledge. Um, and she is a researcher on body image. Um, and she has just uh, written a really brilliant paper. And she's actually creating some awesome content at the moment, um, talking a lot about like body image um, in uh, different cultures and stuff, which is cool. And she is, uh, she also runs a really cool organization called Body Banter and they do a lot of uh, really brilliant stuff around body image as well. Uh, so she is Hong Kong based. She's a beautiful client of mine and I cannot wait to have her on next week. It's going to be great. That is going to be amazing. Awesome. And as always, we will be in our clubhouse room on Thursdays. We're still playing around with the time guys. So just make sure to follow us on clubhouse or follow us on Instagram, where we will let you know what's going on with all of that. Um, reach out to us, let us know how you like this, these episodes. If you have two minutes of your time, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. It's so helpful. And also share. Sharing is caring and it is the absolute best and the freest way that you can support the work that we do. And we do this because we love you and we hope that you love us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Be Well Cartel Podcast. 
make sure to hit follow on the podcast app of your choice, share this episode, and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. It is a small effort with a big reward and the best way for other like-minded individuals to find the Be Well Cartel. To learn more about the Be Well Cartel community, stay up to date with us on Instagram at Be Well Cartel and see you again next week. We love feedback, so if you have anything to share with us, please reach out via Instagram to let us know what we are doing well, what we can improve on, and how we can support you.